You going to sit up here with us? Let the screen down. Yesterday was Veterans Day. Do we have veterans here? Let me see your hands. We've got veterans here. Praise God. Praise God. You going to let the screen down? Thank you. thought maybe I was going to have to sing just to wait for it to come down. This morning, I got a little email from my grandson, who's up in Washington. It's where my wife, Jean, is. And uh, he says how things can change fast. And in that process, he sent me a picture. It's going to come up here as soon as the screen gets down. And you'll see what they're seeing this morning. They live in a log cabin on... uh, top of a mountain that looks overlooks uh, Lake Roosevelt. That's a view from their patio. That back there is all cloud cover down by the lake. They're above all the clouds. Um, a little bit of snow. Though your sins be scarlet, they shall be what? White as snow. It always reminds me of that. Always reminds me of that. So they got all the beauty up there. We get rain. But that's okay. We need the rain as well too, don't we? We really do. I need God to speak through me. Do you mind if we take a moment and pray and ask the Lord to be with me? Someday, Lord, we'll be taken away from what we think is beauty here on this earth, like in this picture, but we're going to see something so spectacular that we can't even describe what it's going to be like. It's going to affect all of our senses in such a way that we're going to have to stand back and say, wow, probably even cover our eyes. But right now we have the beauty of your holy word that helps, gives us a revelation of what's to come. I'm of unclean lips. I pray that you speak through me. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And let this congregation only hear your voice, not mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those of you here last week, we're starting the second part of preparing for the time of trouble. I put a subtitle of this is Always Before My Face. We're going to see what that means here in a little bit. But if you remember, we handed out a sheet that kind of looked, kind of put in perspective of where we are in our day and what's going to take place in the future. Someone says, well, you didn't add the martyrs that are going to be in there. Let me tell you something. Martyrs, even in our denomination, is happening right now. There are many people who uplift Jesus Christ in many countries and are being killed because of it. And there will be martyrs that will take place. You might even have to be a martyr. You may have to stand up for God. How can you do that? How can that ever be possible? Many worry about the time of trouble. And uh, what can we do to be able to face this horrible event? Well, there's a lot of things that can be done in, in preparation for uh, from now and, and through that time. But there's one thing that we have to look at, and that's what we're going to look at today, because if we aren't willing to allow this to take place in our lives today, all other preparation is not any good. It just won't work. 
And so I want you to listen and have God open your ears because I want you to be able to see and to hear what's going to take place and uh, how we can prepare. In order to understand how to prepare for the time of trouble, it's necessary to go into the Bible and, and let God's word speak to us that we have available and to learn. And um, this morning we're going to take a look at a very important sermon that has already been preached. Not last week in some other church, but it was preached clear back in the days of the disciples. A special sermon that Peter preached under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And after that sermon, after the Holy Spirit inspired each and every word, the Bible tells us that over 3,000 people declared their allegiance and support of Jesus Christ. Man, that must have been some sermon. 3,000 people. The Holy Spirit was poured out in such a special way that we have never even seen with our own eyes. But we will. Because the Holy Spirit is to be poured out onto God's people and we are to share the three angels' message to a lost world. So we need to hear and understand bits and pieces of this sermon that Peter preached in order to prepare us. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. This is a part of that sermon. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. And it says, Peter speaking in his sermon says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and him crucified and put to death. We've got to see what happened here. What Peter is talking about, there was two major forces that came into play at this time in Jesus' life. It was a major struggle between love and sin. Jesus, who loved the world so much that he was willing to come to a world that is full of sin, who didn't like him, but rejected him. That has always been the problem, is this struggle between love and sin. And by the predetermined knowledge of God, Jesus came to Calvary's cross. It was there that sin was grabbed hold of by love, and love grabbed a hold of sin, and there was this major struggle, and love won out. That same struggle still goes on today. It goes on right in our own homes, in our own hearts, in our own minds, in every family, in every nation. No matter what language you speak, no matter what background you have, there's a struggle between love and sin. The love of God or the death of sin. And I'm here to tell you this morning that every event that happens in your life right now is a determination of whether love 
or sin reigns. Everything that's happening in your life right now is coming to a point of trying to get in your mind whether you're going to accept Christ or whether you're not. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. You have to realize that when Jesus came to that point on the cross, he plunged beneath the dark waters of death, wrestling, as it were, with sin itself. And the question for the human race as we stand there looking at this awful struggle is, will Jesus win? See, we have to come to that point in our minds, even though it already happened in history, we have to come to our point in our minds to be able to accept, is Jesus really the winner or not? Jesus came to the cross, and as Ellen White described it, he could not see through the portals the darkness of the tomb. He simply was going into that darkness of death by faith. He couldn't even feel the presence of his Holy Father. Darkness was around him. There's a point in time, as we go through the time of trouble, where the Holy Spirit will be poured, pulled from us, and we're going to see what that darkness is like. We're not going to see the evidence of God. Can I accept like Jesus did by faith? He couldn't see any hope, except that he trusts the words of his Father. And that's how he allowed himself to go into that deep dark portal of death. It appeared to be a bottomless pit with no escape possible. Jesus has all power, doesn't he? We can't understand that because we are just human beings and we don't understand all of what that power is. But he was acquainted with absolute power. With just a conscious thought, think of this, when he was on the cross, with just a conscious thought, he could have twisted his accusers, his tormentors, into a horrible twist of fate and events and mind-struggling boggles and physical pain like they have never experienced before. He could have said and cried out, Father, I need about three angels right now to do a number on these folks. He could have said, I'll show them who I really am. He could have sent lightning down out of heaven, flashed down from nowheres to be able to reveal his divinity through his humanity. He could have come down off the cross and to hover over them, lightning flashing before them. He could have, but he didn't. He could have saved himself from plunging into that pit of death. But he didn't. For only one reason. He loved us. Peter doesn't leave us long with the thought of that awful struggle on the cross. For you see, back in those days, 
when they talked about the cross of Jesus, they never left out the resurrection of Jesus. When Christ came up victorious from that tomb, the death sentence of sin was sealed and love conquered. We're guaranteed at that moment that sin will not rise again a second time. We see, still see the, the results all around us of sin. But we should not be afraid of death. Because for a Christian, death right now is only asleep. Because we have the hope of the resurrection because Jesus was resurrected. Jesus holds our very life in his hand even after we die. We're all terminal. Not one of us can make it out of this world alive unless Jesus comes forth from his grave as a victor. And his resurrection means everything to us. That's why the disciples, when they preached Jesus on the cross, they had to include the resurrection. It's our only hope. Listen to the power in the next verse. Acts chapter 2, verse 24. Acts 2, verse 24. Talking about Jesus, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. How come it was not possible that death could hold Jesus in his grave? The wages of sin is death. Did Jesus sin? No. Did he deserve death? No. He may have taken all of our sinful nature to Calvary's cross and crucified it there. But when Jesus' life is examined, he comes up every time pure, innocent as the driven snow. He had the perfect childhood. He had the perfect youth. He had the perfect adulthood. And when the laws of heaven come face to face with Christ Jesus, death could not hold him because death can only hold sinners. Verse 25 tells us the secret as to why death could not hold Christ Jesus. Peter is going to quote to us from the Old Testament. It actually comes from Psalm 16. But he puts just a little bit of a twist on that psalm. Look at it in Acts chapter 2, verse 25. For David says, back in Psalm 16, concerning him. Now look what he's doing. What he's doing next is he's making the words as if it were the words of Jesus on the cross. I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Here's Jesus not seeing the... All he's seeing is the darkness of the portals of sin and death. He's not seeing the resurrection. But his secret is, he's calling out to his Father, I always keep you before my face. 
knowing, even though the appearance is that God, his father, has left him. It's dark. He cannot feel the presence of his father, but he can say he is at my right hand. You see, God will never leave us nor forsake us in the darkest part of our lives. I can say by faith, like Jesus can say by faith, he's at my right hand. And because of that, I will not be shaken. Jesus sets his face before the crowd, before his God. Look at Psalm 16, verse 8 now. This is what he's quoted. I have set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Nothing's going to move me. The devil himself cannot move me. For two reasons. I've set my Lord always before my face. And I know he's at my right hand. No matter how dark things get around me. So the secret of a victorious Christian living in this dark world of sin, in the time of trouble, is to set the Lord Jesus always before my face. Jesus was very unique. He was totally human and totally God. We can't explain that. We can't even understand it. He was familiar with absolute power because he had absolute power before coming to this world. The Bible says that he was one with his father. But do you know that when he chose to come to this world, he actually changed his relationship with his father. In heaven, he was equal. It was okay to be called equal. He changes his relationship now and he becomes a servant of his father. Remember, Jesus came to this world not to be served, but to serve. Now, that sets up a whole new avenue of things. He is here to be able to serve the will of his father. And the will of his father, in order to save mankind, was for Jesus to face death. Now, that changed relationship of becoming a servant gives an opportunity for what we could call a temptation from within. What do I mean by that? God created all of us to be free moral agents. We have the freedom to be able to choose whom we will serve. You can choose whether you Give your will to God or whether you give your will to the devil. There's no in-between. It's one or the other. We're automatically, because we're sinners, we already have our will to the devil. It is so inbred in us, we just automatically do it. If you give to God, what do you get? What if I decide to follow God? God and His will. I really 
get freedom. God is truth, and the truth shall make me free. If I choose to continue the way I am and continue to live a life in the devil, I become enslaved by the devil. Okay? He has total control on me. If you are a free will agent, and once you are a servant to someone, what I mean by the temptation from within is an inclination, and we all have it. Let's say we've got a job and we've got a boss over us. When we have our employer employer that wants us to do his will and we don't want to do it, it's going to create a conflict. We don't like to be submissive to the will of someone else. And it's that way with our relationship with God. And that's the temptation that Jesus kind of had was, well, do you remember what he said in the Garden of Gethsemane? Father, if there's any other way that this cup can be passed from me, In other words, I don't like what I'm experiencing here. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. The temptation within is when things are going bad. Is to say, God, take this away from me. And it may be the very will of God that's going to save us. But we don't like that. Jesus submitted to the will of his Father, even though from within it's saying, I don't want to go through this. Lucifer had a very important position in heaven. He was a covering cherub, which means he sat right next to the throne of God. And his job was to do the will of God, whatever God wanted him to do. But the conflict from within was, I don't want to do God's will. I want I want to do my will. And the temptation from within was to no longer do the will of the Father. And he ended up setting up self, his selfishness, other purposes. He had other purposes in mind, another plan before his face. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane set up his Father in his face. You are the Father. I'm willing to do your will. Lucifer says, yes, you are God, but I want your place. And I no longer want to do your will. I want to do what I want to do. I want to be the most high. That's the struggle that comes from within. Jude, there is no chapters, but verse 6 says, And the angels who did not keep their proper dominion, that's doing the will of God, but left their own abode, he has reserved 
in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Freedom's gone. Why? Because they no longer want to keep God before their face. They no longer want to do the will of God. Remember, that's what comes natural to us. And so when times get bad, the temptation from within is not to do the will of the Father. I don't care how many times you attend church. Philippians 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being the form of God, equal with God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation a servant, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient. Obedient to who? To the point of death. Even the death on the cross. But he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, I don't like this. Is there any other way? And you know what? God was silent. There's a time coming in the time of trouble. We're not going to like it. And we're going to say, God, isn't there another way? And he's not going to say a word. If God is always before your face, like God the Father was always before the face of Jesus, and you know that He's at the right hand side of you, you will not do your will, but you will continue to do His will. And so there He was, struggling with the weight of sin upon His shoulders. We we don't even have the slightest idea of how horribly painful that was for Jesus to make that decision. But He set the Lord ever before His face, and even though He declared at Gethsemane, take it away from me, He was in essence saying, Lord, I forever have You before my face. If You command me to go to Calvary's cross, I will go. Can we say that? Lord, if you want me to go through the time of trouble where the whole world is going to turn against me, my relatives are going to turn against me, my, my, my co-workers are going to turn against me, my family is going to turn against me. In some cases, my church is going to turn against me. My government is going to turn against me. Can I still say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. Because we're going to have to go through the time of trouble.
There's the sweetest joy and the sweetest peace when we realize that in our dark times, that our God is right at my right hand and He's right there. I can't feel Him. I don't hear Him, Pastor. I pray and I pray and I pray and I don't hear an answer. I'm looking for evidence that He's there and I don't see it. Things are crashing down on top of me and I don't know if I can stand. I'm almost at the end of my rope. And we haven't even got to the time of trouble yet. Go back to Acts. Acts 2, verse 25. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he's at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Notice the wonderful victory over the temptation from within by always setting the Lord before our face. And notice the next victory, for he's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. The devil's not going to move me. The beast is not going to move me. The mark of the beast is not going to sway me at all. The death sentence is not going to move me. Because Jesus is next to me. And I keep him before my face. Notice that the devil likes to mess us up. Let me go back. Doesn't even have the right spot on here. Brothers and sisters, we're coming to a time in this world's history whether we're, we're either for Christ or we're not. We're coming to a time in this world's history that uh, we need Jesus to realize. I'm going to go without that. Do you know that every event that you go through right now must go through Jesus Christ first. He allows. See, we've got, for our belief is in Jesus and that's why we're here to worship. Our belief is in Jesus. He's got a hedge around us that hedges Jesus. The only thing that can go through that hedge is what Jesus allows to go through first. All for the purpose to help you to realize and to see the freedom that he has. If Jesus is doing this, he's he's trying to wake me up. He's trying to help me to see where I am allowing my own will to be swayed by the circumstances around me. And I want to tell God what to do. Lord, I don't like this, so you take it away. Lord, I don't hear you and I don't see you taking it away. You've got to take it away. If you're not going to do anything, I am. It could be that the very event that you see that is so dark is the very event that the Lord is allowing to take place in your life to be able to change you, 
to prepare you for the time of trouble. Do you trust him? Yeah, tell me it. Can I trust him? If, if my God is ever before my face, if I make God my priority in my life. By the way, the only ones that are going to be able to stay in the tide of trouble is to put God as number one priority within their life. Not just going to church, not going and saying, well, Lord, we had a great Sabbath day. The sun is down. Now I'm going to have fun. That's not God's priority. You're still going with self. If God's priority is always a priority within your life, that's keeping it before your face. If that's going to happen, then when I go through these dark times that I'm going through, he's preparing me. He's setting things up to change me, to rely upon him. He'll never give you more than you can handle. Why? Because he's right there with you. When he needs to, he will send angels. But remember, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the angel didn't come until he says, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. Not until he made a decision that I'm going to follow the will of the Father, not my will. Time of trouble looks bad, doesn't it? Looks scary. Doesn't he know that? Didn't he go through his time of trouble? He couldn't see through the portals of his tomb. I don't know how it's possible to be saved. We're going through the same thing. How am I going to get through that time? How am I going to be saved? Keep Jesus before your face. Believe he's at your right hand. The resurrected Jesus is your promise that he's there. Make that an encouragement. And don't, don't back away from that to be able to say, Lord, you're helping me to be able to change me what I need to change into to have even more faith in you so I can make it through that time. If Jesus is not always before your face, you'll never make it through a time of trouble. If His will is not your will, if you're not willing to follow whatever His will is, you'll never make it through the time of trouble. You may not even make it through the day. But He doesn't give up on you. Oh, we're stubborn. Don't believe me, ask your spouse. We like things our way. He's patient. He's kind. He's loving. But He's God. That's what we got to remember. He is God. I'm not God. No one else is God. There is only one God. And He says, I love you. And I want to save you. So I'm going to prepare you. And you're going to make it. Because Jesus made it through his time of trouble. We're going to continue to look at some more things. But you can see right now the Holy Spirit is working on all of our hearts right now.
you've got to ask yourself the question, am I keeping my God always? The word, the key word is always. Always before my face? Or is it just when it's convenient? The circumstances I find myself in right now, financial problems, family problems, health problems, work problems. Does Jesus know what those problems are? But he allows he's allowing that to take place in your life. Do I trust him? Can I still say with that problem that's going through what I'm facing? Lord, I don't know why I'm going through this. But you know why. So I'm relying upon your strength. Not my will, but yours will be done. You know, it can bring to you peace in a time of trouble. Because you're not doing your will, you're doing the will of the Father. Can you accept that? What Jesus went through going up to the Garden of Gethsemane is... We're going to go through a very similar thing. Some of us will have to die. I I won't sugarcoat it. But I can be a martyr if I have my God always before my face. That's how the martyrs went through it. Some of them watched as their, their spouses and their children were being killed right before their eyes and saying, now will you denounce God? And they stood and they said, no, I'm still going to follow him. They can only do that when they see the father before their face. Stephen went up against the Sanhedrin, supposed to protect him. And they're getting angry at what he's saying because you're not saying what we want to hear. But just before he was stoned, he saw heaven open up. He had heaven, his God, always before his face. And he died with a smile on his face. That's not going to keep He's not. He hasn't lost anything. Because of the resurrected Jesus, the next thing he's going to know, you haven't defeated me, I'm going to see Jesus. But oh, woe to you. Maybe what you're going through right now Jesus is allowing you to go through that because it's the best thing for you. There's something that he's making you aware of. You're about yourself. Can you follow through? Not my will, but thine will be done. The Holy Spirit's working on hearts right now. If I had a pen in my pocket, I could drop it here and I could hear it, even on the carpet. You're either going to leave this church different or you're going to remain the same. But it's your choice. You're a free moral agent. It's up to you. Doesn't the God lead you? It's when we leave God to do our will. That's the problem. Some of us have to make decisions right now. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I think of the poor McGee family right now. 
had the anointing service yesterday for Alan McGee. They couldn't wake him up in the hospital in order to have the anointing service. But there's his son, Michael, standing there. Here's his dad in bed, doctors not knowing what to do. And his mother-in-law, his wife's mother, is dying right now as well, too, at the same time. And so his wife is over with her mother. Michael's there with his dad. And he's wondering, what in the world is going on? When I keep God always before my face. And I know my dad is in the hands of Jesus Christ no matter what. And my mother-in-law is in the hands of Jesus Christ no matter what. And if something happens, I may not like it. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. It's hard for him to make that decision yesterday. But in his prayer, he says, Father, help me to be able to accept your will, not mine. So the Holy Spirit's working on your heart. Whose will are you going to follow? We're going to have a closing song. They're going to do the closing song. Those that sang our special music, we're not going to do that one, Dick. We've had a change. Our special music who had that song, they're going to sing a song with us now. And in this song, if the Holy Spirit is really working on your heart and you feel like you have not ever made that commitment, but you want to make that commitment today. While they're singing their song, I want you to come forward and I want to pray with you. It could be a commitment of baptism. It could be a commitment of, of anything. But I want you to come forward and I want to pray with you. And remember, as we're praying, is you are giving your will up for God's will. So we're going to have you come up here. There's only two of you this time. And if the Holy Spirit's working on your heart as they're singing the song, I want you to come forward and I want to pray with you.